if you have a Bible today, let's open up to Psalm uh, chapter 13. And, you know, how do you go from the pit to the palace? How, how can you go from being a homeless man who was, you know, hiding in caves to be the king of Israel, crowned there in Jerusalem? You know, and I don't know where you're coming from tonight. I don't know what a pit you might feel like you're in. I want you to know, though, that God is working. And if we wait on the Lord, if we wait on the Lord, then He is going to do an amazing work in and through your life. And we learn that in today's Psalm, Psalm 13. It starts off in verses 1 through 2 with David's protest. You know, he's upset. He asks the question, how long? You know, you might be asking that question tonight. I don't know what's going on in your life. How long, how wrong life can be? It starts off with a protest, but then it moves into something very important. It's David's prayer. And I tell you what, you guys, you don't have to be a a graduate from seminary. You don't have to have fancy King James language. All you got to do is to call out to God. Say, Lord, you know, help. Lord, come into my life. Lord, forgive me. Lord, save me. And he will meet you there. And that, that's what David does. It, it goes from the protests and then it goes to the prayer. So important. And then it ends, we're going to see today, with David's praise. And in the Hebrew language, at the end of this psalm, he literally is singing with, at the top of his lungs. Now, wouldn't that be cool if we all did that tonight after the service is over? Have Angel come up here and I say, okay, everybody here, we're going to sing at the top of our lungs. Some of you guys are terrible singers, but it would still be okay, man. <laughs> because, I mean, just um, that that's really what God wants. I tell you what, if you're here tonight and you don't have that fire inside of you, God wants to light a fire. God wants something, I think, more than we might imagine. Look what we read here in Psalm 13 in verse 1. It's to the chief musician, a psalm of David How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? You know, here we see that four times David asks the Lord, How long? You know, how long, how long, Lord? It, it's, uh, it's how we feel sometimes huh? when we go through the hard times. Lord, will you forget me forever? It just seems that nothing's changing for the better. It's only getting worse. I feel like my life is cursed. It must be that God has forgotten me. You know, and David was a young guy that had so much potential. He loved the Lord. For you young people here, I tell you what, man, when David was just a young, you know, guy, he would go out in the fields and he'd be taking care of the sheep. And then, you know, he just, when he was there, he would look up at the stars and he just fell in love with God. He fell in love with God. And so he started writing music and and singing praises to the Lord and And then, you know, God just worked in his life in such a way. Think about it. He was a shepherd. He took care of sheep. And and he he took his job so seriously that when a bear came to try to take away a sheep, he fought the bear. He killed the bear. When a lion came to to take away the sheep, he, he fought the lion. He killed the lion. 
It was the Lord working in his life. It doesn't matter how young you are. You don't have to wait until you're older to fall in love with God. You don't have to wait until you're older to say, I'm going to have a fire for God. Man, I'm telling you, it can start at a very young age. And for him, it did. And so he grew up. And so when he was probably 17, 18 years old, when, you know, Goliath came, I know most of us are familiar with that story. David came and with one sling of a stone, boom, he took him down, that nine-foot giant. I mean, and he won the victory for his nation, the nation of Israel. And this guy, so much love for God, so much love for people, so much faith in God, such a heart of integrity, willing to fight a lion, fight a bear. What a future he had. But then one day, Saul, the king, resents him. He gets jealous of him. And the next thing you know, David is on the run and he's fleeing for his life. He's a homeless guy. He's living in caves. He's, you know, scrounging around, just trying to make ends meet. And although he had been anointed to be king of Israel, now he's on the run. And, and, it, and it wasn't just a week or a month or a year. We're talking probably a good 10 years on the run. And so, you know, it's understandable that he asks, how long? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? You know, and maybe you're going through something tonight, you know. Some of you here, I I know it's clear the trials that you're going through, and they've been a long time. You know, I'll tell you what, another thing, though, um, there might be some who should be asking how long. Because your, your marriage is not the fiery, passionate, spiritual, amazing marriage that God wants to work, and you settled for it. You know what? For me, uh, for the church, for you, I tell you what, if it's not on fire for God, then ask Him, how long? Lord, light a fire in my husband's life. Light a fire in my wife's life. Light a fire in my children's life. Don't settle for anything less. God wants us to live in the promised land, victorious Christian living. And and if it's not happening, man, I encourage you to maybe even to have this this prayer. We're going to see you work your way through this whole psalm. We go through hard times. and, And this might be how we feel, that God has forgotten us. But... That's never real. You know, according to the scriptures, God can never forget us. I was thinking of that passage over in Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. It says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, but God says, Yet I will not forget you. And so you're here tonight, whatever you're going through, You can't hide from God. He loves you so much. He has not forgotten you. Life is hard. And so we sometimes ask, Lord, how long? And sometimes when we ask, there's no response from God. You don't really hear that voice. And so we need to know, you guys, that there may be times we experience God's silence, but we never experience his absence And we will never, ever experience God's negligence. He will never, ever 
forget you. You got to understand that. You know, with God and us, it's a, it's a righteous remembrance. It's a perpetual presence. God does not hide from us. And that's what he says right here. Lord, how long? Look again in verse 1. Oh, oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? You know, the God's face in the Bible is like his perpetual presence. I mean, his special presence. And that's how, how David felt. You know, but we got to know that God's not like that. You know, have you guys ever been uh, shopping out there, maybe in, I don't know, Walmart, Target, something like that, and, and you see someone you recognize at the store, you know, and so you go the other way? Have you guys ever done that? <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm not in the mood to talk right now or whatever, and so you hide behind the paper towels or something. I don't know if you guys have ever done that. You know, I want you guys to know that God is not like that, okay? <laughs> you know, right here, we got to see David is struggling, and, and we struggle. Um, David here in verse 2, he asks, How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? I mean, he's basically saying, when he talks about this, uh, this counsel in his soul, He's like, how long do I wrestle with these thoughts and go through the mental anguish that I'm experiencing and suffer everyday sorrow in my soul? You know, again, maybe you feel that way. Maybe you wonder that same thing. You know, I I just want you to know as we go through these things that we're not alone. David was going through some very difficult times. And so we need to take courage from this. I, I will say this, however, that, that in, it was important to keep in mind that there are two types of troubles that we will experience in life. Some things we bring on ourselves. Some things, some of the troubles that we are experiencing and we are, we are you know, uh, reaping is because we brought it on ourselves. And so, you know, we have to understand our own failures, our own foolishness. Sometimes it's our own fault. And if that's you tonight, you're going through something because of your own you know, struggles or sins. Uh, I want you to know this, that the tables are kind of turned. And in all reality, it's God asking you, how long? How long will you continue to live a life that resists my love for you? How long will you, you know, hold on to your sin when I have so much more for you? You know, if we're struggling and we're in trouble because, you know, we're not seeking the Lord, or I don't want to read the Bible, go to church or pray, I don't want to obey, then God is the one asking you how long. Because I tell you what, the power that's available through the living, loving God, it, 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 can, it can happen in your heart tonight. If you want God in your life, You know, he's the only one that can help you overcome whatever the struggles are. Don't run from him. It would be God asking you how long. So if the troubles are because of the things that we're doing and the sins that we're holding on to and the way that we're resisting him, then he's asking you how long. But that's not what this psalm is about. This psalm is about the tough times that we cannot avoid. This psalm is not about the tough times we bring upon ourselves. It's in reference to things that were way beyond David's control. And so, you know, it's kind of like, 
You know, literally for him, it was miles and miles and miles of trials. That's where it was for him. And that, and that happens, you know, in life. You know, the tough day becomes a tough week and then the week turns into months. And, you know, you're hanging in there because, you know, it's going to take some time. And then the 12 months uh, yield a year. And then those start piling up one by one year by year. And then you can kind of identify with David and then you're, you know, sometimes people are going through struggles for years. And then they ask the Lord, how long? You know, even me. Lord, how long? You know, for the things that I'm going through. I mean, it could be you and your spouse. And it's a wife waiting for her husband to come to the Lord. Or maybe it's a single Christian, so lonely, praying for a companion. Or maybe it's parents uh, with their prodigal. It could be a couple longing for the conception of a child or someone sick and suffering and there's no relief in sight. Or maybe you're out there and you're a servant of God and you have received a promise from God, but you're still waiting for that to come to pass, kind of like David, he was appointed by God. He was anointed by Samuel the prophet to be the servant leader one day that he was called to be. And yet here he is on the run and Saul is his enemy and he's gaining ground, it seems like, every day. And close to 10 years he lived as a fugitive. I don't know if you would even call that a life. In the caves like a criminal, like an animal... And eventually what happened was his homelessness became hopelessness. And it's at that point where many Christians crumble. And we're going to be tested. And it's, this is what we got to do. The protest, it, God knows it's there. But then the prayer. Look at verse 3. Consider... And hear me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. I have prevailed against her. Let those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. What does he do, you guys? And... And I know, and it's kind of funny because we, we actually studied this uh, almost the same thing last week, is that, you know, the answer to our problems is God. And the way that we're going to access God is through prayer. Lord, look, David prays. Lord, listen. Lord, revive me. Lord, strengthen me. One translation even says, give me back that sparkle in my eye lest I die. When he says, enlighten my eyes, it's kind of like there's a sparkle that used to be there, but that's not there anymore. God, I need you to come in and work in my life. I'm about ready to give up and my enemy's always ready to take me down. David is praying, Lord, please do not let the enemy have any victory over me. And that's a good prayer. I just want to encourage you guys, uh, myself included. I want this church to be a praying church. Because I know that if God stirs us up to pray, then God is going to do a great work. And that's what we want. We don't want what man can 
can produce. We don't want just social gatherings. We don't want, you know, just a, a church that's just on the superficial outside of holy things. We want the Lord to come in and crush the devil. Right? I mean, we want him to mend marriages. We want him to come like he did in the New Testament times. And I, you know, I just know that if we would just catch that vision to get on our knees and pray. And I'm telling you, there's something about it. There is something about opening up your Bible and reading it. There is something about getting on your knees and praying. And that's what he did right here. Lord, look. Lord, please listen. Lord, revive me. Lord, don't let my enemy have any type of victory over me. Don't let him move me to a place of complacency. I want to be everything, Lord, that you want me to be. And I want my family to experience the fullness of your blessings. I want you, Lord God, to bring a great revival and awakening in these, because we know we're living in the last of the last days. You know, earlier I was talking about wrestling with our, our thoughts. And, and this kind of brings me back to wrestling because, uh, you know, I was a wrestler in high school. And I tell you what, the one thing that wrestlers hate the most is to be pinned. Are there any wrestlers here, guys that used to wrestle? All right, right on, sister. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and she knows. We know, man. When you're wrestling, the one thing you don't want is to be pinned. Amen? I mean, I'm serious, right? And you know where both shoulders are on the mat. And I, and I think that at the end of the day, the, the, the real reason why, why wrestlers get pinned is because they quit. I know that's true for Christians, that's for sure. You know that the only real reason that we would ever lose is if we quit. So don't ever quit. See, right here, David is on the verge of, of he's struggling. It's, it's long. How long, Lord? And it's wrong. How wrong, Lord? And, you know, he says, I'm ready to, to give up because my enemy is ready to take me down. But what does he do as he's there and his shoulders just about to go down? What does he do? He prays. He doesn't give up. David is protesting. He's in pain. It feels like he's you know close to getting pinned, but he just keeps fighting. How do you fight? How do you fight the devil? You pray. It's been said that the devil trembles when he sees even the weakest saint on their knees. Get on your knees and pray. Watch what God will do. And he's, he's praying, Lord, I'm not, you know, giving up. Lord, I'm looking up. Lord, I need you. Look, listen, Lord, you know, I need your light for my eyes. It's, it's getting close, but I don't want to lose. And we read again, look at verse 4. Who have said with, with our tongue, I'm sorry, verse 4, lest my enemies say, I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. And that's the thing. The enemy wants to move you. He wants to move you away from God. He wants to move you, you know, away from a relationship with God. I mean, this might be 
you know, David thinking about possibly dying because Saul wants to kill him. But I have a feeling that it's more to do with David's destiny, with our destiny. The enemy will do whatever he can to move me from my destiny, from my calling in life, for the reason that I was knit together in my mother's womb, for God's dream, for me, what am I supposed to be, and then what am I supposed to do for him? And he just wants to move me away from that. You know, the devil will do whatever he can to move me to tap out. You know, and so here, I think in this psalm, if you can visualize it, do any of you guys do running? Do you guys run like long, extended? No, you guys. <laughs> well, you should start. <laughs> Abel does. Um, I don't know. You visualize yourself in the in the. You're doing the laps, and and you're getting tired, and you you want to quit before the race is over. And then if you can, uh, visualize the crowd that's in the stands just clapping you and uh, encouraging you to just keep going. And there's something about that encouragement. You know, Ray prayed for that tonight. Lord, encourage us, encourage us, you know, to keep going and, and not just keep going to finish the race. I mean, Lord, encourage us to run, to win. You know, I mean, if you can visualize that. You know, I was thinking, I don't know, how many of you here, uh, I'm going to date myself. You guys know I'm already 25, right? 1980, 1980. How many of you here were not born? (laughs) Some of you, a lot of you. Are you serious, you two? Man. So, (laughs) man, I remember as a kid watching the boxing fight. It was November 25th, 1980. Roberto Duran against Sugar Ray Leonard. Anybody remember that? Old people. All right. <laughs> and I remember, man, because uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, that guy was, uh, he, would, he would, I don't know, he would just kind of run around the, 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 the boxing ring. And, and uh, you know, Duran had already beaten him once, and so now it's a rematch. And, uh, and you guys remember the, the story, man, in the middle of the fight, He's only down by one point in one judge's card. He's down by two in another. It's not like it's looking really bad for him. Do you guys remember what happened? No mas. No mas. I mean, he just just quit. And I was reading up on this, and he was saying, you know what, I'll just quit, and I'll get a rematch in in a few months. He thought that he would get it, and he, he didn't. It took, I think, 12 years later. But by then, or I'm sorry, nine years later, but by then it was too late. And I was just thinking, because I like Roberto Duran. I, I, I was telling my wife, and I don't know if I should say this. No, I won't say this. I won't say this. I'll just put it this way, man. He should have stuck in there, stayed in there, and beat the dude up, kind of. You know what I'm saying? You know, win the fight. Let's just say that. I used other words earlier, but I won't. I won't say <laughs> And that's what we should do. You know, don't quit. Um, stay in the fight and win. You know, for us, when we read this right here, I mean, David is about to get pinned, but he prays, and then so God comes in, and and God says, you know, because of this, you will not be moved. You will fulfill the dream that I have for you. 
we need to be encouraged by this psalm. So I love Psalm 16, verse 8. It says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is on my right hand, I shall not be moved. What that means is put God first. Put God first in your life and then you won't be moved. Psalm 21, verse 7, it says, For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Put God first. Trust the Lord. When I think of trust, it goes beyond belief. It goes into faith. It goes into trust. It's the chairs you're sitting in. You're trusting God. Psalm 62, verse 6, it says, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. You know, it's the Lord. Uh, He has His hand on you. I believe in God's sovereignty, and I believe that He started the work and He's going to finish the work, and we can trust in Him. You know, I like uh, Psalm 46 and verse 5. It says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. It's the perfect time. So it's the Lord, but it's also you. It's also us. We have a responsibility. You guys, you guys, you know, I don't know what happened. You know, praise God, you came to church tonight, man. I, I don't know if someone said, hey, I'll take you to in and out afterwards. Somehow, you know, you ended up here. You made a choice to go to church service. You make a choice to wake up in the morning and spend it with the Lord. You make a choice to open up your Bible and read it and heed it. You want to learn it so you can live it. Those are choices that we make. We make a choice to say no sometimes to the television and say yes to prayer. We make choices in life. It changes our life. You know, there's a passage in Jeremiah 4 and verse 1. It says, if you will return... O Israel, says the Lord, return to me, and if you will put away your abominations out of my sight, then you shall not be moved. I just want to encourage you. You know, God says, hey, you know, don't don't get high. Not because he's trying to take away your fun. It's because he's trying to salvage you from unnecessary heartache and hell and dead brain cells. I'm serious. You know, God says, put away your abominations, the sins. Just God says, surrender them. Lay them down at the cross. Return to me. Some of you guys, you were raised in the church, and then you went the, the wrong way, and God is saying, come back. Some of us, we've distanced ourselves from the Lord, and we used to follow Him so closely, so passionately, so tightly. So it was just amazing. And then now we've kind of settled in to this world that we live in and the routine that the enemy wants to throw our way. And we're being moved. God says, no, don't let anything move you. Uh, In Acts chapter 20, Paul the Apostle was tempted to tap out, to give up, to lay it down, to quit, to split. It was even from the church. The church was saying, hey, don't go over there because it's a crazy place and you're going to experience so many chains, trials and tribulations. It was there in Acts 20. But, but you know, if he had quit there at that point, he would have missed out on so much. After that, there were still seven more books of the Bible to write. You know, Vance Havner, he used to say, he says all the time, it's, it's always too soon to quit. I pray that we would know that. In Acts 20, 24, 
Paul said, And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You know, Paul here, uh, he says something and we read something so important to us. You guys know that being a Christian is going to be a battle? Okay, it's not a playground, it's a battleground. And so, you know, if the enemy, you know, he like he swings at you, don't go, oh, don't do that. Oh, I'm leaving. I didn't realize this was going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. Paul said, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself. I know that there's trials and chains and tribulations that are awaiting me. For Paul, it would be prison. But it was from those prison cells that he would write five of his letters that we have in the Bible. You know, I I was thinking about how sometimes the enemy moves us. And I don't know if this is true. I really don't know for sure if this is what happened to us as a church. But we used to have Sunday night services And I love Sunday night services. Maybe there weren't as many people here, but it was kind of cool because you get to know people, you know, because it's more intimate. And then, you know, one day we just kind of let it go. You know, so now what are people doing on Sunday nights? Some of you guys here. How many of you here, if you were honest, you would say, I watch television on Sunday nights? Don't raise your hand because I'll never see you the same after that. You know, or, you know, you're aplastado there on the couch, you know, or, you know, you're just, you know, and I don't know. I was kind of like the Lord showed me you, you gave that away. You lost that land. And now I want you to regain that land because it belongs to me, says the Lord. You know, stuff like that. I'm thinking about this church that we're praying about over there. And, you know, that's, that's literally land, right? And um, I pray that it would not be moved away from the purposes of God to reach the citizens with the gospel in the community of Almani. See, the enemy, he has his ways of moving us. And we have to be strong. You know, it's hard sometimes. How long, Lord? How long? How wrong? How wrong? We protest. But let us also pray. Because if we do, then look what happens in the end of this psalm. It's so amazing. It says in verse 5, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I mean, how did he move from the pit to this place of praising God at the top of his lungs? And the answer is is a genuine and sincere prayer life. Because when you're in the presence of God, when you're in the true presence of God, you will be empowered. And you will be changed. 
You know, uh, Pastor Chuck was talking about this section right here, and he was talking about how, you know, we we pray because we want him to change circumstances, and 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 right here, you know, we want him to change circumstances eventually. And right here, what we see is God changes David immediately. Immediately. He went from a man who was throwing himself a huge pity party. You guys ever been to a pity party? You ever thrown yourself one of those? Okay, I want to tell you this. Pity parties are not productive, so just give it up, man. (laughs) He went from the pity party to this place of praising God And it's just so beautiful what the Lord ended up doing. I really do believe that if we pray with sincerity, then our protest will turn to praise and we'll have a peace that surpasses understanding. You know, when when we're there, we're going to realize, and sometimes we don't see it, but you guys will realize beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is for us. God really is for us. He's not against us. If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing can stop what God wants to do except you. And that's why we got to pray. You know, the devil comes knocking on our door. Don't answer it. Just stay and pray and let Jesus get him, right? Jeremiah 33, 3, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Psalm 50, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Psalm 145, 18, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. The Bible says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. No, you're here tonight. Maybe you're not a Christian. I just want you to know all you got to do is pray. Call upon the Lord and he'll save you today so that when you die, you won't go to hell. You'll go to heaven. Not only will you go to heaven, you'll also experience heaven while you live on earth. A slice of it is just amazing what God does. You know, I mean, for us as Christians, I think we need to call on the Lord because we want all that he has for us. No, we started the psalm in lamentation, but we end with salvation. We started with a question, how long? But now we're ending with a song. It's a proclamation and not just any song because some songs are down. You guys know about the blues, right? Melancholy songs. No, this is a song of, of rejoicing. It's a song of celebration. From protest to prayer and to praise. I want to encourage you guys today. You know, I know it's it's hard because it seems like what you're going through is is wrong. We live in a fallen world and fallen bodies fighting fallen demons, fallen angels. Sometimes it seems like how wrong and sometimes it seems like how long. But did you know that if you keep your eyes on the Lord, if you keep your eyes on the Lord, then in your life, God will give you the victory. And one day when you die, you'll have no regrets because you'll have no reserves, no woulda, coulda, shouldas because you will have lived your life in the will of God. And nothing and no one 
can stop him. That's why you just have to wait on the Lord. I love this story right here. Let me, let me close with this as the musicians come forward. Have you guys ever heard the story of the fern and the bamboo? Maybe you have. It goes like this. It says, one day I decided to quit. I quit my job, my relationship, my spirituality. I wanted to quit my life. I went to the woods to have one last talk with God. And God, I said, can you give me one good reason not to quit? And his answer surprised me. Look around, he said. Do you see the fern and the bamboo? Yes, I replied. God said, when I planted the fern and the bamboo seeds, I took very good care of them. I gave them light. I gave them water. The fern quickly grew from the earth. Its brilliant green covered the floor. How many of you guys like ferns? They're pretty, huh? Yet nothing came from the bamboo seed. But I did not quit on the bamboo. And the second year, the fern grew more vibrant and plentiful. And again, nothing came from the bamboo. But I did not quit on that bamboo. He said, in the third year, there was still nothing from the bamboo seed, but I would not quit. In the fourth year, again, there was nothing from the bamboo seed, yet God said, I will not quit. He said, then the fifth year, a tiny sprout emerged from the earth. Compared to the fern, it was seemingly small and insignificant, but just six months later, the bamboo rose to over 100 feet tall. It had spent the first five years growing roots. You see, these roots made it strong and gave it everything it would eventually need to survive. He said to me, Did you know, my child, that all this time you have been struggling? You have actually been growing roots. I would not quit on the bamboo, and I will not quit. If God won't quit on us, I pray that you 